have a moment in your childhood or earlier on in your life where you had some kind of an experience where you you kind of like would like stop and want to experience that moment a little more and it just kind of like I don't know it made you sort of stop and 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 sit in the moment yeah you know if there are moments like that in your history then it's likely ASMR would work on you huh Okay. Well, I'm glad that we had this conversation because I will um, no longer tell people that my experience with it is exclusively a lady eating crunchy pickles <laughs> into a microphone. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with voice actor, singer, and podcaster Jody Krangle. Jody has been a voice actor for over 20 years, working in the healthcare, corporate, hospitality, political, and nonprofit sectors, among others. Jody shares insights into her journey, as well as an inside look at what goes into being a voice actor. Jody is just an all around awesome lady, and I'm really excited to share our conversation. Thank you, of course, to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Jody Krangle. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm awesome. Thank you so much. That's good. Um, really excited to have you here. Um, you're a, a voice actor, a singer, a podcaster. Uh, I'm probably leaving some things out, but very, very much plugged <laughs> into nerd. the- yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I, I'm there with you on that uh -huh. one. Um, but yeah, very plugged into the world of audio. Um and I'll be honest with you, when I was looking over your material and kind of trying to come up with some questions and things, it's kind of hard to know where to start. Um, so we're probably just going to go in a random order that won't actually make any coherent sense. And that'll be By fine. By all means. <laughs> um, <laughs> go for so, it. So you've got, you've got a couple of different websites. Your your podcast is, is audio branding and then audiobrandingpodcast.com is the site mm -hmm. for that. And then the site for your your the rest of your work, I guess you could say, is, is voiceoversandvocals.com. Um I went there and I would just encourage anyone listening to also go check it out. I mean, it's I, my understanding, at least, is it's more geared for companies that might want to hire you to do that kind of work. It's, yeah. you know, for, for them. I'm not a company, nor am I trying to hire you. However, <laughs> um, it's remarkable the amount of like big ticket companies or I don't know what word to use, blue chip companies <laughs> that you've sure. done commercials for. And now I think anytime I hear like a Lexus commercial for the rest of my life, I'll be like, is that Jody that's doing that? Like, you know, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just be trying to figure it out. Uh, yeah. Um, we all have doppel doppelgangers too. So right. every once in a while, my parents will call me up and say, did you do this commercial? No, mom. No. <laughs> <laughs> Happens yeah, all well, the time. <laughs> it's well, and I mean, and I, yeah, it's it's so interesting because I've never never spoken with a voice actor before. Um, and like there's always kind of this question of like, well, do you always talk that way? And your voice doesn't <laughs> this sound is me. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't sound wildly different, but there is a certain uh, you know tone that you take in these ads and those sort of things. It's not exactly mm -hmm. like you're speaking right now. Yeah. Um so I guess I guess I'll, I'll start with you know, like people tell me all the time that I have a radio voice, mm -hmm. but I'm not doing 
a vo- like this is just how I speak yeah. all of the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get I it. Have, <laughs> I have no talent. Um, <laughs> it's just how I sound. Mm-hmm. So to be a voice actor, like, are, are, do you do you have like a, a wide repertoire of like voices or accents that you work on, or or is it not necessarily? There are some voice actors who do. Um, Mm -hmm. That's totally a thing. I mean, I know there are a lot of people in the animation and video games and audio books and and the more upfront um, glamorous jobs, let's say. Mm. (laughs) A lot of those are are very um, voice manipulation heavy. In the sense that they have to, they have accents. They have, uh, although less so these days because of, you know, wanting to include the people who actually have those accents as sure. opposed to having someone put it on and do a caricature of it. You know, so oh. that's become a thing, and people need to be aware of it. But also, uh, different tones can be used for all sorts of different genres of voice acting. I tend to stick more towards the commercial and the corporate narration end of things. So what that means in general is that I can go anywhere from really high and chirpy and happy because you're going to buy this mattress today, you know, kind (laughs) of. Or, you know, I can be really, um, we are, this is who we are as a company and we are proud of who we are, you know, that kind of, right? So there's a difference there, but it's still me. It's right. still me caring about whatever product or company this is. <laughs> right, right. Well, we so... all talk differently to different people, is what I'm saying. So it's less put on and changed your tone as it is knowing who you're talking to. Mm. No, that's fair. That's fair. So when you record the, the voiceovers, are you doing, and I'm, I'm talking, you know, in the space of ads, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not just ads though. It could be the corporate narration. Are there a lot of takes of it? Like, are you doing like reading it 10 times and then they pick one or, or is it sometimes you just do one take and that's it or, you know, it depends. It depends on what the client's looking for, whether I was really close to start with. Mm. I will say that I'm usually closer to where they end up from the start now that I've done this a number of years. <laughs> mm, that makes sense. So, yeah, and it all depends because sometimes they're not live directing me. Sometimes they're not in my ear when I'm doing this. So what I will typically do is give them two or three takes and let them decide what they like. Right. But they hired uh, me because they wanted my voice. So right. if, if this is me, then this is how I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, you're not auditioning per se. It's not well, like Well, I you're... mean, I do audition, to, you know, totally. We every voice actor I know auditions. That's that's a lot of the of the work. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. yeah it, Sorry. All... I just meant like when once you're hired, you're no longer sending in an audition tape. Oh, At that point yeah. they know you, they wanted you, so Yes. You know. Yeah, yeah, they've already hired me, so I will give them two or three takes, and then they usually choose from that and find what they need. Mm. And plus, I'll repeat lines sometimes because you know I, I think of this as a as a musician. I think of this in in musical notes and beats, kind of. Mm. So for me, if it ends on a down note, that's a very definite oomph kind of ending to a sentence. But sometimes you don't want that. Sometimes it leads into something else, and sometimes you want to really friendly and upbeat kind of feel to it so you might end on not necessarily an up note but not a down note Mm -hmm. and and so there's different ways of saying sentences different emphasis you can put on certain words if 
a particular word is repeated several times in the script or like in a really short period of time, like, you know, this is that this, you know, this is that right. Like, you know, like you don't you don't focus on the word that is actually repeated. You focus on the word before it because that's really what is trying to be emphasized. So it's there's a there's a sensibility that a voice actor will get after a certain amount of time being able to interpret what the writer had in mind, what they were thinking of how this would sound when they wrote it. Mm-hmm. And you can get a lot of those cues from the actual copy that you're looking at. Hmm. That makes sense. So, you know, I, I, I you mentioned singing, and I mentioned that up front as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you released an album a few years ago, and then I know you also in 1995 started the the Muses Muse website, which was then <laughs> yeah. discontinued a few years ago as well. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so did did your your line into this kind of work start with music, or did it start with the voice acting stuff first? Actually, uh, I in 1995, I volunteered my my time at the CNIB, which is the Canadian National Institute for the Blind for around a year. And I read magazine articles onto reel to reel tape for a little Mm. bit of time. That was my first uh, my first experience with voiceover of any kind, really. And I really enjoyed it. And and the reason that I wanted to do it, I think, in the beginning was because of my music, because I had always liked using my voice. And I thought, well, whoa, this would be a cool thing to volunteer for. Why not? You know? Yeah. And so I gave it a try. And I actually found that I liked the technology as much as I liked doing hmm. the voicing. So that sort of gave me a hint as to how I might be able to approach this, that I wasn't all creative i was also able to run it as a business <laughs> mm, right so i i'm kind of right and left brain <laughs> yeah a whole and you person. have to be in this business <laughs> these days you have to wear a lot of hats and a lot of those hats are business and marketing and advertising and and promoting yourself and being on social media and you know Maybe yeah. having a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I, like also, I don't know why that happened, but here we are. Uh, and yeah, there's there's so many different things that you have to worry about to run a business that may be creative. Right. So you have to be the creative, but I'm also my own audio engineer. I'm my own invoicer. I'm my own bookkeeper. You know, like I, I do all of that stuff and I keep track of it all and I know where my expenses are and you know, I, I I do social media and the marketing and the branding and now the podcast. There's like a lot of things to do. And and let me just say that outsourcing has saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have some friends that are entrepreneurs and that's that's the thing that they constantly come to is like once they get to a place where they are comfortable to delegate something mm. and they've done that they always just rant and rave about how they should have done that years ago. And the delegation is so freeing. And (laughs) it just, it sets you free to be able to do more of what you really like to do. And I have to say, I think as far as business people are concerned, I'm not the best business person out there. I just know what I like doing and what I don't like doing. (laughs) Mm. So I just made it so that I paid someone else to do what I don't want to (laughs) do. Right. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way to do it though. Yeah. So 
Now, have you always done this as an entrepreneur? And I don't even know if this is possible, but or did you ever like work for a company doing this kind of work? I don't know if com- if there's Not a job like that. Work. No. Okay. No. Um I I will say that back in the early 90s, I was a secretary for around 5 years and yes, they were still calling it a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> now it's administrative assistant. Yes, exactly. And I get it. I get it. That's fine. It's a lot of it's a very different job than it was when I was doing it. Yeah. Uh, but I did that for 5 years. What that did though, I was in a really, really tiny, tiny office with like one or two people that would come in every once in a while. And all my work would be done by 1030 in the morning. So what was I doing? Well, I was on the Internet learning how to graphic design, learning how to web design, uh, you know, learning the Internet in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I left there, I actually ended up going to another place for a little while that had me doing their website and doing their their internet marketing and seo Hmm. and i went from there and then went on my own doing internet marketing and seo and (laughs) i was doing that because i started the muses muse Mm. and of course in 1995 it was all brand new and i had no money right (laughs) like you do not get paid a lot as a secretary Mm. or an administrative assistant it just Mm -hmm. does not pay a lot so i had no money to promote this songwriting website I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It was my baby. And I figured out how to promote it and how to get it some attention on the internet and how to get, you know, regular regularly found in the search engines hmm. when there were eight or nine search engines as opposed to like two. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know people who, who came into the internet age um, post, I don't know, 2005. I don't know when Google became the norm, but... I mean, I remember back in like in the 90s when I used to log online, I didn't even open like now, you know, you open Firefox or Chrome or whatever you Mm -hmm. use and then you navigate to a website and do whatever you want to do. We used to just like log on to AOL and then I don't even know where I I think we just went to chat rooms like searching. Yeah. Remember CompuServe? Yeah. Yeah, There were so many ISPs, too. It's just (laughs) so it's so weird how. Normal that all was ne- then, and mm-hmm. now it's kind of unimaginable. Yeah, <laughs> they would be that way. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. weird rabbit hole. Um, That's okay. We both went down it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was do Do you remember the 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 first voiceover ad that you did for for any company? Like the first paid gig you had? Maybe ad isn't the right word, but yeah. first paid gig that you had. Actually, one of the first paid gigs that I got was doing a documentary about World War Two. Actually, oh wow, yeah, it was really cool, and I got it through one of the what they call pay to plays. Mm-hmm. So I got it. Um, I think it was through uh, something called Voices dot com, which, <laughs> which uh, now is not the greatest place to be, but <laughs> but was pretty good at the time. And um, uh, yeah, it was just it was an audition that I won, and I worked with that particular client on several projects. They had uh, a production company that was also doing corporate narration and commercials for local stuff in Michigan. Mm. So yeah, uh, it was quite something. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I have no idea where it is now. I think it's kind of disappeared. It, sure, it was a while back. <laughs> right. So I mean, you'd you'd mentioned that you know primarily you're in narrating you know maybe corporate things or or ads that sort of have you ever worked on a video game or an animation or anything like that i 
have never done a video game. I did do a one-year stint playing the fairy mother, the fairy. Uh, she was the fairy queen, I guess, of uh, the this. 3D animated world. It was a series called Mia and Me, and I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's it's actually um, international. So mm. it has uh, German and Italian and Canadian and American and like it's all. Huh. It, it it's it's a kids show, and right. I think it has three seasons now. I was in the second season playing mm. the the queen fairy mother of one of the characters, and. It was because it was a voice match, actually, because originally the cast had been union and then they went non-union. And uh, I had to go to downtown Toronto for that one. So that was not staying at home in my studio. <laughs> right. And it was okay. I, I, I thought it was a, an interesting learning experience. I, I, it's not something I wanted to make my living, though. Mm, that, well, that's what I was going to ask, because before a word you'd use, and obviously we're, you know, it's a light conversation, so I'm not trying to like pin you to a word, no, word you used, but <laughs> you, you, when you talked about those, you said like the more kind of upfront or, or glamorous jobs. And so mm -hmm. I was just curious, like, is that necessarily like the, the, the tier that everyone's aspiring to, or is it more just like, that's a kind of work that some people like to do and the kind of work you like to do is maybe your preference more so? You know, I I think for me it's the latter, but I think a lot of mm. people when they get into voice acting, it's the glamorous jobs that attract them, right? Mm. So a lot of people think that going into voiceover, oh, it's going to be animation and video games. I so want to do that. And by all means, go ahead. Make that the thing you want to do. Yeah. But it's very rarely the thing you start out doing. <laughs> mm. It's something you, you work up to and... Uh, make demos for and then get hired for slowly but surely and as you become a known entity then people invite you on more and more projects right. so yeah I mean it's something I would do if someone was interested in casting me in something but I don't go out of my way to find it and I don't even have a demo for it so <laughs> well and I guess you know because I, I, part of what I'm thinking is you know when I, I've seen you know on YouTube or something videos of voice actors in the booth recording a cartoon or an mm -hmm. animation of some sort. And even though it's just voice, they're like fully physically oh, yeah. in it. Facial expressions and yep. body language and all of that. I mean, just like I'm doing now when I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. Is that... And so to some extent, it, I mean, they're, they're, they're very much acting that part, even though they're not physically the actor in, in whatever's being watched later. Mm -hmm. Is that true for the kind of work that you do as well? Are you like really animated in the booth doing these recordings or is it it depends it, yeah it depends on it, if it's a furniture store shop like if that that's those spots are high energy if there's yeah. like high energy that i yeah my hands are all over the place i'm yeah. like yeah <laughs> but uh in general it's not that i'm still it's mm. it's just that i don't have to gesticulate quite as much as someone you know being an evil queen or you know like it's there's right. there's levels <laughs> right but it is all acting it is all still acting mm. and the reason i say that is because even in a commercial script or a corporate narration of some kind mm. someone asked you a question before you answered that that's what the script is it's an answer to a question you're having mm. a dialogue it's just that they don't hear the other part of the dialogue <laughs> hmm. so that's that's what's happening in your head 
while you're doing this, while you're performing this script so that it doesn't sound like you're reading and that you actually care about what you're saying. <laughs> huh. That's really interesting. I'd never heard that described that way, but that that makes a ton of sense. Well, I mean, think about it also. Like, I'm sitting here having this interview with you with a pair of headphones on my head in a 5x4 padded room <laughs> looking at a monitor and with a microphone in my face. This is about as unnatural as you can possibly get right. to do an acting job. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, to read a script and actually make it sound like you're a human being. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, th yeah, that technique of, of, of reading it as if you're responding to a question is, is, yeah, that's really interesting. Huh. I wonder if that's done in other forms of acting ever. Probably. Oh, I'm sure it is. It's probably, probably all sorts very of tricks. literally when it comes to video <laughs> games and animation. Yeah. Right, right. You know. But there's all sorts of approaches to to acting. This is just mine because I didn't go through acting school. I learned it as I went. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm more of a musician and a performer on stage than I am a, a theater or film actor. So, you know, different approaches. Comedy is a different approach. Uh, improv is a different approach. There's all sorts of ways to come at this. Well, so that was another thing I was going to ask you relating to your music is, do, do you enjoy, because obviously like we just talked about when you're doing this, you're in a tiny little box and, mm -hmm. you know, people are only hearing your voice later after it's been recorded and produced and all that. Sure. But with music and, I mean, obviously you can release an album like you did, but then you also do live performances. Are you really energized by those live performances? Do you really enjoy that aspect? You know, I am energized by it, but it freaks me out a little. I'm mm. very introverted. And so being on a stage and knowing that people are focused on me and I have to perform. Yeah. That's 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 a little freaky for me. And right. so I do it very infrequently. I can do it. And uh, the more um, the more often I do it, the easier it gets, obviously. But but it's still a big ask for myself. You know, I, it's always hard for me. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's just a tough thing for me to do. I'll, I'll do it, but it's very rare. <laughs> right. And so is it, is it also then, is it challenging to, or challenging isn't the right word probably, but <laughs> do you prefer to, to record the voiceover work alone and then submit it versus being somewhere where someone's watching you do it live and maybe giving you feedback in real time? Or does that same pressure not apply because it's not the audience in the same way? You know, for some reason, I feel it's a little easier to give them the performance they want now that I'm confident in my voice acting abilities than it is to be judged while I'm performing a song. Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it can be very, it's a very different experience. Mm. But I will say that for the last long while, most of what I've been doing has been recorded from home. So not that I don't uh, necessarily have someone telling me in my ear what they'd like me to sound like because I do do live directs all the time, but very often that's just the audio. It's not anyone actually looking at me on screen. Mm. So that makes it easier as well. Right. Right. 
And I totally don't mind if a client wants to be on the line with me directing me because I get exactly what they want. That's it makes it easy. It means I don't have to guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I just I I can see I can I'm imagining for myself even just what it would be like. And I feel like it could be uncomfortable to have someone like judging it in real time. But again, to your point, after you've done it for so long, you just have a certain confidence to yourself. So then. It's well, you, you know, you you're you're pretty aware that they hired you because they thought you could do it first of all. Yeah. But also they want you to get it right. It's not <laughs> like they're there waiting for you to trip up, you know? Right. Like <laughs> <laughs> they really want you to get this right because, you know, the sooner you do it, the 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 closer you are to what they envisioned in their head, the happier everyone's going to be, including the advertising agency, the client, the end client, like the audio engineer is going to be happy. Like every, you want to make everybody happy. <laughs> right. So do you have, do you, do you ever have input on the script? I mean, you talked earlier about like, sometimes they'll be repeating words and so you'll mm -hmm. emphasize different words, but do you ever suggest like wording changes or is that not, not really? Usually, not yeah. usually. Um, I don't typically get the opportunity uh, or am asked and, and wouldn't offer to change a script when it comes to someone in North America, for instance. Mm. If I have a client in Germany or Sweden and they have written a script that they aren't sure is conversational English mm. and they want my input, I am more than happy to to give it. I have an English degree. That's what my university degree is. So oh, cool. I'm happy to help if people ask. But if they don't ask, it's not usually my place to say. Because mm. in a lot of cases, these commercials have gone through so many edits because of legal. <laughs> mm. You know, if I make a big stink out of one word or something like that, how long is it going to take for legal to reapprove? <laughs> right. Know, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. <laughs> Sure. No, yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. I stay in my lane. <laughs> right, right. And again, I'm just pulling from, you know, I, I'm thinking actor. And, and of course, I don't know that much about actors. So I think of like <laughs> the A-list celebrity actors that you hear those kinds of things about. But it's yeah. probably not applicable to the I'm majority. I'm not William Shatner. Right. <laughs> well, I thought you were the whole time. So now we find out. 25 minutes in, we find out. Oh, well, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's some similarities. <laughs> right. So. Well, we are Canadian. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Okay. Yeah, you guys are. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, very similar. Very yeah, similar. Very, very. Um, <laughs> so your podcast is, is called Audio Branding, mm -hmm. which I think is an interesting, uh, you know, phrase. Can you just describe what audio branding as a concept is? It's the audio portion of what people, what you want people to think about when you're not in the room. Mm. So as they say, branding is what people say about you when you're not in the room, right? Mm. So how do they feel about you? And because audio reaches us on such a visceral, deep level and an emotional level, that's how they're going to feel about you. Mm. So... Having one without the other is really giving, it's doing yourself a disservice. Mm. And they need to match. Here's the thing, right? If you have a high-end, I've, I've mentioned this many times before, but if you have a high-end jewelry store and on your on hold, you're playing 80s hairband music, right. there's a disconnect. 
there's right. something wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably you know, not the audience. Yeah. And and your your audience, your clientele, they're going to notice. They're mm. going to think that you are a cheap jewelry store. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Right. So so these are things that you may not pay attention to because you've never thought about them before, but you should. <laughs> mm. So do you ever do you consult companies then outside of just voiceover work, but also like music or other sounds that they might want to incorporate? I, I don't. I'm not an okay. audio branding company and I don't pretend to be. I, okay. I have the podcast because I wanted to talk about how sound influences our buying behaviors and also our daily lives. So mm. it goes a little more into, it goes into more detail about advertising and marketing and branding. Yes, definitely. And I talk to audio branding companies and people who own those companies and musicians who work for people who are in those companies and advertising agencies and, 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 right? But I also talk to healers, people who work with sound and healing, ASMR. Oh artists, people who do binaural beats and tone therapy. I talk to public speakers. I talk to voice coaches. I talk to casting directors. I talk to basically anyone who works in sound on behalf of other people. I actually talked with an audiologist, which was an, an audiologist for children, which was really interesting hmm. because it's, it's equally as important to know how not to lose our hearing as it is to know how it affects us. Right. So there are all sorts of aspects of this, and I've really enjoyed exploring all of these different aspects. So uh, this is such a random thread that I picked up on, but I had a friend <laughs> who did this um, herself uh, a, f a few years ago, and she was doing an, uh, what she referred to as sound therapy, but it was basically like clients would come in and they would put on headphones and then they would hear i think it was like human noises mm -hmm. um but it was just tones i mean it's not like it's not speech or anything yeah and then there would be like a readout produced and, and then there was you know a whole therapy session based on, around that mm -hmm. is that the kind of sound therapy person that you talk to or how did sound therapy work when you spoke to someone from that field i've, I've talked to several people actually one was a fellow who uh did brainwave entrainment which mm. is a, a different that's a different thing entirely. It is binaural beats, but it's his own sort of way of doing it. I think he mm. had made some really interesting uh, sounds of his own that he had been using <laughs> and and experimenting with, I guess, to change brainwaves, really. Mm. Uh, but it was all sound-based. I talked with a shamanic sound healer from Australia. So she was talking a lot about drumming and singing bowls and things like that and working with people um, in, you know, shadow work and, and things like that. Hmm. You know, it was just really fascinating. And I've talked with uh, an ASM artist who uh, she, her name's uh, Melinda Lau, and she did something called the Whisper Lodge in New York City before COVID hit. Hmm. And actually was on Follow This, which was hmm. on Netflix. Okay. It was done by BuzzFeed, I believe. But they did a whole uh, investigative report on ASMR. And it, huh. in, in what the series was called was Follow This. And they did an, uh, an investigative report on ASMR. And they went to the Whisper Lodge to experience it, this particular journalist. Oh, cool. And uh, Melinda and her uh, co-host, her, her co-creator, were there 
on film and and leading, you know, one of the people that led this woman through their performance art, I guess you would call it. Hmm. But ASMR, in as far as I know right now, is mostly in YouTube videos. I mean, it's it's in videos. Right. Yeah. I so I don't know much about it, and I don't mean to sound dismissive of it, which is why I say up front, I <laughs> yeah. don't know much about it. It's fine. But I Googled I, – one time someone was telling me about it, and so I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll look it up then. And whatever video I happened to find was like some lady <laughs> eating crunchy pickles oh, really okay. loudly into yeah. a microphone. And I was like, this is really bizarre. Like, I don't yeah. know who this That's... is for, but it's not me. So <laughs> <laughs> There are all sorts of different types of ASMR. So yeah. it's uh, autonomous mer- – um, oh, my God. I just uh, autonomous meridian response is what I'm uh, as uh, autonomous sensory meridian response. That's nice. What it is. Pardon me. Okay. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> I should know that. Um, there are all sorts of what what are called triggers. So mm. people, some people get them from tapping. Some people get them from whispering. Some people get them from like personal attention. You know, like touching this, pos- mm. possibly touching the screen or um, uh, using the microphone as like you know brush. Brushing a brush, like a hair, not a hairbrush, but a like a makeup brush over the ear of the microphone, you know, so mm-hmm. you hear it when you're listening in headphones, you'd hear it in each ear. Um, there's also some people like people writing on a pad of paper, huh. um, all sorts of different tons of different things yeah so so really it just depends on what your triggers are if you have any sure and and what voice might appeal to you more you know some some people's whispering voice just may appeal to you better than another person's right um you know i there's all sorts of ways that that people use it but generally they use it to calm anxiety and to help with sleep right because it it puts people into a meditative state Mm, i see that's what the kind of what the brain tingles are all about that's what they call them i got you so I remember, for instance, when I was a kid, and the reason that I know this works on me is because of this, when a friend of mine was was making um, sketches on a pad of paper, she would be making cartoon characters, or she'd be drawing a picture of someone, or she'd be drawing me. And, oh my God, like I just, like meditative state, hello, like I, I just loved the sound of the scribbling, the, hmm. you know, knowing that she was drawing, like it just, it, it, it gave me tingles hmm. and it's, it's just a, a euphoric state almost. It's nothing, yeah. you know, nothing unusual, nothing weird. It's just, right. you know, but recognizing that from back when I was in, I don't know, grade four, five, hmm. something like that. I mean, it might have been like, you know, pretty early on. And then equating that with how I'm feeling now when I watch ASMR, the ones that trigger me. Right. That's the same deal. It's the same kind of thing. So right. if you have a moment in your childhood or earlier on in your life where you had some kind of an experience where you you kind of like would like stop and want to experience that moment a little more and it just kind of like... I don't know. It made you sort of stop and 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 sit in the moment. Yeah. You know, if there are moments like that in your history, then it's likely ASMR would work on you. Huh. 
Okay. Well, I'm glad that we had this conversation because I will um, no longer tell people that my experience with it is exclusively a lady eating crunchy pickles in your <laughs> microphone. Um, that is definitely <laughs> someone's idea of a trigger. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm not even trying to be dismissive <laughs> of her. And yeah. if she has an audience, great and great for yeah. all of them. And I'm not trying to make fun of it even just. Yeah. Um, yeah That's it was probably just... only one of the many videos that she's put together, too. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, exactly. Some was... people hate the eating sounds. I'm not a big fan of it myself. But... I can't. Yeah, I yeah. can't handle yeah. eating noises like that, um, which yeah. is probably why it stuck out to me as like, yes. oh, who would make this? But yeah, again, yeah. not for me. Not for but me. the reason that I even got into this in the first place was because Ikea did a commercial that was 28 minutes long or something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Ikea, back in 2016, 2017, <laughs> somewhere around there, they did a commercial with ASMR with a young woman uh, running her hands over sheets tapping on lamps stuff like that for college kids it Hmm. was the dorm college you know stuff that you would put in your college dorm so i knew it wasn't for me right (laughs) they didn't make it for me they made it for college kids in 2016 right (laughs) so it was a thing and i listened to that and and looked at that commercial and i was like a half hour commercial are you freaking kidding me what the hell <laughs> so i i you know i uh, and then i was watching this woman or listening you were you never actually saw her face you saw mm. her hand or you saw a hand i don't know what right <laughs> but i don't know whose hand it was could be a hand model right? yeah it could be i don't know but you know you heard this whispered voice describing each piece that she was touching but I had no idea what was going on. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and then I got into this audio branding thing and I was like, well, okay, that's sound affecting us. <laughs> right. So I looked it up and I actually did uh, an earlier podcast on it that was called This Might Make You Uncomfortable. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yep. And I actually linked to that video. Mm. And I linked to um, some other videos by an ASM artist named GB. It's G-I-B-I. Okay. And she did a compilation of some popular triggers with some friends of hers. One of them is a woman named Goodnight Moon. Hmm. And she also is a really good ASM artist. Um, And I just got hooked. I went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Huh. So I I watch ASMR all the time now. Well that's really interesting. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to I'll have to poke around and see if I can find some version of it that, that clicks with me better. Sure. I will say I, I, I chuckled whenever you brought up IKEA doing a twenty eight minute commercial because it's <laughs> like they take what should be a fifteen minute process to put together a chair and that turns into like two hours. Okay, and what true. is supposed to be a thirty second <laughs> commercial, they made thirty minutes. Like yeah, it's just yeah. that's their brand, make everything take forever. <laughs> Um. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Unless they want to hire you, and then this is irrelevant. And well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've had their audio branding voice for a really long time, and I am happy for him. That's right. That's good. I'm
talking about just the way that, that sound can affect us in ways that we may not expect, I, mm -hmm. I came across that, that sound can actually impact the way that we taste things as well. Yes. Can you explain how that works or how that makes any sense? Yeah. I had no idea about this until right. I interviewed uh, Steve Keller, who is the sonic strategy director for Pandora, which is now Sirius XM, which is now Stitcher and a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, wow. They, they have an advertising agency um, called Studio Resonate. And Studio Resonate does a lot of things with sound. They're an advertising agency for Pandora and Sirius XM and all of the stuff that they work for. But they... They deal with more than sound. They, uh, Steve really is a, an interesting character in that he's a psychology guy, he's an ad guy, and he's a musician. Oh, wow. So, so he kind of understands how all of this works and how it works together because he approaches it almost from a scientific standpoint. Hmm. So what he did with a client of his, which was, uh, what were they called? Propel. Propel, which is a Gatorade-like mm -hmm. electrolyte drink, they did, and this is, I think, now three years back, something like that, they did a, a, a DJ station, I guess, for the release of this new Propel drink. And people would go to the DJ stations, they would put on a pair of headphones, they would be able to dial in on an iPad whether they wanted the drink to taste more salty or more sweet. And as they dialed it on the iPad, the sound changed and the color saturated or desaturated on the iPad. Huh. And they would take a sip of the drink and, uh, you know, the, the people there would watch people's eyes widen because what the hell happened? It's the same drink. They moved it from one to the other, but they tasted something different. Wow. <laughs> so our senses all work together. And they influence each other, which hmm. means that you can use that in a lot of interesting ways. For instance, in a hospital, if you have someone who has diabetes and you know they like sweet, there are certain sounds you could play in their hospital room that might make them experience what they're eating as sweeter. Huh. So they wouldn't have as many cravings, you know. Man. Uh, there's you all, you know. If There's you could figure out how to do that, you could sell a crazy, like if you could get people to think that celery tasted like Snickers bar or something, like you, you make <laughs> I a don't killing. Think that's quite possible, but <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was, but I don't think that would be quite possible. Yeah. I'd totally be on board for that one. Oh, I have yeah. A sweet tusk. <laughs> oh, yes. Same. Sweet tusk. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it would be very handy. But, but, you know, it brings back the the idea that sound really does influence us it, it yeah. influences how we experience the world around us in so many ways right right yeah i've always i i i assume many people think this not just think about this not just me but like what would it be like if i lost the, my ability to hear you know what i mean it just mm -hmm. i i don't know it would just be so um yeah it'd just be so devastating i don't know I, I i i yeah i can't imagine i can't imagine going through that yeah um, it's something we have to be very careful of because right. after speaking with the audiologist uh, mm. uh her her name is dr lilath saperstein and she's in israel actually uh and it was a fascinating conversation because she actually went through all of the parts of the ear and how we hear Hmm. And there are so many things that can go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is such a delicate instrument. We have to be really careful. 
We right. really do have to be very careful. And, you know, depending on what you're listening to as you get older, our uh, frequencies that we can hear diminish. Mm. So, you know, that that's, again, something that we need to be careful of. You know, don't listen to hugely loud music right into your ears on a regular basis. That is going to damage your hearing. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, yeah, talking about protecting your hearing, I assume that there's some level of protecting your voice that, that you are cognizant of in your work. Mm -hmm. How do you practice voiceover work or how do you how do you manage your voice, I guess? Oh, hydration. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. That's a big one. You know, having enough water in your system. Also, uh, if you if I'm going to do a session, I hydrate at least 20 minutes to 30 minutes before the session. Because if I start drinking water the moment I'm having the session, it's too late. Right. <laughs> you know, my body hasn't absorbed it. It hasn't done anything with it. It's not just here that needs to be, you know, my, my jaw and mouth that needs to be hydrated. It's the vocal folds. And right. those take some time. That's, you know, that's something that, that it hmm. takes a little bit of time to get the moisture into. Right. <laughs> that's fair. Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> Excuse me, I think I need some water now after hearing this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you, I mean, you know, you, you broke into this quite some time ago, obviously. Now in 2021, if someone wanted to to get into voice voice acting or, or narration or any of the mm -hmm. stuff that you do, how do, how do they do it? Like I went and created a profile on Fiverr a year or two ago mm -hmm. and was just lost in a sea of <laughs> clearly more qualified people than me yeah. who had portfolios and real profiles. And I'm like, I have a podcast but it's not voice acting you know what i mean yeah, so like yeah. how does someone break into that i would suggest that you go to a website it's called voiceover extra voiceoverxtra.com and you have a look around there and you see the lay of the land you understand what the different genres are who the reputable coaches are what webinars are available and those webinars are like i don't know 50 bucks and you can take a class with a really well-known coach hmm. with a bunch of other people for probably between 50 and 100 dollars not a huge amount of money but definitely worth your time to see if it's something you want to do mm -hmm. and then you get one-on-one -on -one with a coach and when you find a one-on-one -on -one coach and that coach takes you through what's really involved in this mm -hmm. business then you start to understand what you need to know. You start to understand how many hats you need to wear. Mm. And then that coach will tell you when you're ready to make a demo. And the demo is your calling card. So mm. if you don't have a demo, it's really hard to get work. Right. Not impossible. I'm not going to say impossible. But it's really hard to get work because you don't have a calling card. People don't know what you can do. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like trying to apply for a job without a resume. I mean, well, maybe exactly. they would hire you, but... They're probably yeah. going to look at other people's resumes and then pick them because yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the system. Exactly. Yeah. So so because demos are expensive, I mean, they can be anywhere from eight hundred to five thousand dollars. Right? Mm. And you want to wait until that coach tells you you are ready to make that demo because getting the OK from that coach is what you're really after, because that coach is then telling you that you can be competitive in the market now. Mm. And you don't want to make a demo until you're going to be competitive because otherwise it just becomes this expensive digital doorstop you're never going to use. <laughs> right, right. No, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, 
Well, Jody, you know, again, as I said up front, the, the podcast website is audiobrandingpodcast.com. The podcast is Audio Branding. It's available all everywhere podcasts are. Um, and then, of course, voiceoversandvocals.com, your, your personal site. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere else that you would direct people to connect with you, uh, social media or anything like that? Um, LinkedIn. I'm on okay. LinkedIn, definitely. Um, awesome. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, but those are the, that's it. Uh, I'm also on Clubhouse. <laughs> So uh, if people are interested, I have an audio branding power of sound clubhouse that I do every week, Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, because my podcast releases on the morning of Wednesdays. Oh, okay. So so I just, either I discuss what's in the podcast with people, or we just have a discussion about audio and the power of sound. Like, I have a, a club called The Power of Sound, and the clubhouse comes uh, um, under that. Uh, I also do a Thursday chat at the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern, with a couple of colleagues of mine called Voices in Podcasting. Oh, so, cool. so we actually do talk about voice actors and opportunities within the podcasting space. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I went to um, a conference in 2020, like the week before the world shut down from COVID because uh-huh. we didn't know yet, I guess. But um, anyway, and yeah, there, there was a lot of podcasters there that were doing audio dramas, which I hadn't even oh, thought of. You're not talking really. about PodFest, are you? I am talking about PodFest, okay. yes. I was there, too, and we oh, missed well, each other. <laughs> yes. Out of 2,000 people, how didn't we run oh, into each goodness. other? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but I was there, too. We oh, got cool. home, and three days later, Ontario was in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, ca- I came home, and I think the next day, for me, I'm a, I'm a big basketball fan, and, and yeah. the NBA shut down, and that was kind of like the everything else was a domino yeah. after that, and so yeah. that, that kind of stood scary. out. Yeah, not to go down the rabbit hole, but was it just it's crazy where the pandemic eventually went. And I don't anyway, it just the level of um seriousness for mm-hmm. lack of a better term yeah. that it took. And I mean there's, you know, all these things safety precautions that we're taking. And we're at Podfest a week before again really people understand in America yeah. at least what it is. And like <laughs> there was no masks or anything. No, no. You could we were put a elbow. Little... We were elbow yeah. touching and and like yeah. you know we weren't shaking hands. But I right. remember hugging someone the last day. I was like, okay, we've been here three days. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you you could put a little green dot on your badge or whatever yeah. if you didn't want to have physical interaction. Yeah. And it's like, boy, that didn't hold. No, after. <laughs> it, really, it really didn't. No. But yeah, I got home on March 10th and we yeah. were shut down by the 14th. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. It was the border and everything, like everything shut down. Right. Amazing. Yeah, it was it was definitely a crazy time. I had a friend that came on the show last year right after it had all started. She was actually in a, a, a cruise to Antarctica oh my when goodness. everything shut down. So, wow. yeah, she had quite the quite the story. We made a whole episode out of it. So uh. I, I can imagine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But <laughs> Well, anyway, Jody, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you this evening. Was there anything else that we didn't get to that you wanted to cover? Uh, you pretty much got it all. <laughs> okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, again, Jody, I really appreciate your time. We'll have links uh, to all those different places for people to click on to, to access your information in the show notes. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks. Appreciate it.
changed in a we don't recognize We only protect the love we retain folks well that's going to do it for the show today thank you again to jody krangle for stopping by again links to her website in the show notes thank you again for me to misha zarens for providing the music and of course last but not least thank you listener i'd also like to invite you to check out my other podcasts pick up your sticks is a podcast about why gaming matters that i co-host with brett lindley and i also co-host another podcast called the crowfall podcast which is all about the crowfall mmo that's co-hosted by me and chris crabtree you can find both pick up your sticks and the crowfall podcast on any podcast platform. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Stay up.